You're listening to The Sport Market. Here to rack the bulls and bears of sport business. Your host, Tom Mayonette. It's the lull after the storm. The lull of the weekend after the storm that was Friday. A day of absolute chaos and fact-free gallivanting around the Shohei Otani watch in Major League Baseball free agency. And make no mistake, Toronto Blue Jays very much part of the conversation. And that in and of itself is a sport business story because going in to this offseason as a follower of baseball, uh, you know, particularly as a follower of the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners, those two American League teams, I wouldn't have given either of them much in the way of odds, much in the way of a chance to come away with the most coveted free agent, the two-way superstar, global superstar, that is Shohei Otani. And so I give Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, and the Jays front office, certainly give Tony Staffieri, CEO of Rogers, a lot of credit because one thing that can't be denied is that the Jays are part of the conversation. Now, some of you skeptics would suggest that the Jays have been kept part of the mix just to leverage the Dodgers and potentially some of the other teams vying for his rights, but I certainly don't see it that way. It's gone well beyond the pale of that, and there's enough people close to the discussion to suggest that Shohei Otani's interest in the Jays is, is you know, in the ballpark, excuse the pun, of what, of what his interest is in them. And a very interesting outcome here. Now, to me, I still give an advantage to the three heritage brands that are ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I know all the focus has been on the Jays and Los Angeles Dodgers. But I wouldn't discount the Chicago Cubs and I wouldn't discount the San Francisco Giants. And think of it, Dodgers, Cubbies, Giants. Those are three of the leading heritage brands in Major League Baseball. The only one that I'm not talking to won the Juan Soto trade sweepstakes, and that's the New York Yankees. So it would be a branding upset in terms of heritage brand and, and, and history brand for the Jays to come away with this. But on the other hand, there's a lot of reasons why, from both the business and a lifestyle point of view, and as long as Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, you know, basically are committed to the vision that they would have shared and sold Shohei Otani on in terms of being a contender, taking advantage of, a, 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 you know, still very good young core of players, showing that Rodgers and the Jays are prepared to invest, that makes them very credible options to those heritage brands. And the other thing is, there's things that Shohei Otani could do marketing-wise in Canada and globally that he couldn't do if he was, or he couldn't do as well if he was with one of those heritage brands. And listen, Guggenheim, Guggenheim Investments 
has deep pockets, the owners of the Los Angeles Dodgers. But this is a tale of two unicorns, not just Shohei Otani, but Rogers itself. It's the only telecom ownership in Major League Baseball. And with that being said, there are things that the Jays can do directly with Shohei Otani and also on a referral basis, setting him up with corporate sponsorships and potential partnerships in Japan with NTT Docomo or KDD Group or even SoftBank. Those are the three largest cell phone uh, uh, wireless companies in Japan. Partnerships there could actually benefit Shohei Otani, uh, Otani's legacy, not just here in North America, but in Japan. We'll get into more of that later on this hour. But that's what makes Rogers' pitch very different and their ability to back it up very different. There'd be the marketing and the television audiences of an entire country, not just a city, not just a metropolitan market. We've got a lot of ground to cover this hour of the sport market, including some continued analysis and assessment of the Shohei Otani watch. We're going to be also joined by John Festinger to take a look at some of the legal issues in, in, in the business of sport this week. And we're also going to have our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games, weigh in on Three scenarios for him. One, Shohei Otani stays status quo as a Los Angeles angel, which I think is 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 almost certainly not going to happen. Option two, he parks his chips with the heritage brand that is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And option three, he goes Canada and he goes Blue Jays. Talk to Ken Richardson about trading card value, apparel sales, and sign memorabilia in those three different scenarios. So a lot of ground to cover, including our fast podium. Now with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to the sportmarket.biz. In the bronze medal position, a number three sport business story of the week. It's the NBA Cup reaching its climax, reaching its culmination in Las Vegas in a final four-type setup. The two semifinals went Thursday night. The championship of the NBA Cup, first time in history, is Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena. That's the home of the Vegas Golden Knights of the National Hockey League. And this is not just a NBA Cup designed to engage basketball fans earlier than they typically would be engaged in any 82-game NBA season. But this is also about planting seeds, continuing to plant seeds in Las Vegas for the arrival by expansion of the NBA in the next few short years. Here's Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers previewing the NBA Cup Final against the surprise Indiana Pacers. They're a good ball club. Uh, we actually were talking about, I think it was maybe last week, that they scored a lot of points, a lot of 140s and things like that, 130s. But um, 
obviously the head of Snake, Tyrese. Um, you know, we're good role players around him, you know, who complement him very well. Um, you know, they're young, they're scrappy, um, they get out and run, and they play the right way. So uh, it's going to be a test for our defense for sure, um, but it's going to be an exciting game. That is Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles uh, Lakers uh, previewing the Indiana Pacers Lakers showdown for the first ever NBA Cup and a big moment as well for uh, LeBron James. Uh, he and Davis come away with the NBA Cup championship. Uh, it doesn't mean that they wind up clinching you know, the Larry O'Brien trophy, but certainly they show some early season medal that'll be very interesting to track moving forward. In terms of television numbers, you know, 1.8 million, 1.9 million, pretty solid stuff for the NBA Cup, which was designed to drive TV traction earlier than when it typically gets going in the NBA. A lot of people view the Christmas Day triple header, the sorry, Christmas Day now quintuple header as the real activation point for the NBA and its fans. And then, of course, January, February, March into April and the playoffs. The NBA Cup was designed to increase the stakes of the early season action. And it's done that. If you look at the TV numbers, which are, uh, you know, about 20, uh, 21% up on last year. If you look at attendance, you had a sellout in the second semifinal. 18,000 and change, and you had more than 16,000 for the Bucks against the Pacers. So those are solid numbers in both TV and attendance for this NBA Cup, and, and watch for Adam Silver and the NBA to just build on that moving forward. In the silver medal position, a number two sport business story of the week, and it would be gold if it wasn't for the Shohei Otani craziness uh, last week in general and, and Friday in particular, but John Rahm casts his lot with Live Golf. The Masters champion is obviously a loss to the PGA Tour, and it has Rex Huggard suggesting from the Golf Channel that the PGA needs to rethink its negotiating position. I think it means that the PGA Tour needs to rethink the way they were going with these negotiations. I don't think that – I'm not stepping out of bounds here when I say that whatever it is that's transpired over the last two weeks will change the tour's thinking. And I, I do think it's safe to say that the PGA Tour was clearly leaning in the direction of private equity. This is going to force them to look closer at the public investment fund. That is Rex Huggard of the Golf Channel. This is a civil war in men's professional golf. It may wind up on or before December 31st or early in the new year if the extension to a deal between tour, that deadline is supposed to be December 31st. It might get resolved in a way that shows much more unification. But right now, that's certainly not happening. And, and, and my take is it's turning off a lot of golf fans and the money is absurd. You talk about Shohei Otani money, $550 million, $600 million. That's a you know, prospective 10-year deal. This is a guarantee, essentially, that has been paid out to John Rahm that should make him up to that $600 million just for showing up. And that, although money talks 
and you follow the storyline in the business of sport, you often follow the money. There is history. There is tradition. There is competition. That's what engages us ordinary sports fans, so to speak, to watch the extraordinary talents of these golfers and these athletes competing at the top of their game, not just being paid the equivalent of an exhibition fee. And that's what Live Golf is doing, at least so far. But in the gold medal position, our number one sport business story of the week, social media craziness, off-season craziness, free agency craziness, certainly craziness for the family of Dragon's Denner Robert Herjavich, <laughs> whose uh, plane was tracked across the country from Anaheim to Toronto on Friday as part of just a crazy, crazy day that a lot of us have never seen anything like. No, definitely not. And I think it speaks to the caliber of player that Shohei Otani is. I mean, we were all following along on social media as all these developments happen, flight tracking and what happened with the restaurant for Yusei Kikuchi and his reservation, all these different things. And it was fun for a point and then it kind of stopped being fun. But I think it speaks to the caliber of player because when Tanner Roark signed for two years and 24 million a few years ago, I don't think there were a lot of helicopters at Pearson airport trying to see if, you know, he was showing up and, and certainly my phone wasn't blowing up to that same extent. So this is a reflection of how good Shohei Otani is and the kind of transformative effect that he could have on a team's future. That is Ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet talking about our gold medal story on the sport market podium funded by Alpine credits, Shohei Otani watch in general and the potential landing of the most coveted free agent in baseball, Shohei Otani, by the Toronto Blue Jays. And that is our podium that will revolve around over the course of this hour, and we'll also synergize it against our bulls and bears, the biggest winners and losers in the business of sport. Can there be such a thing as a moral victory in a free agency that you don't capitalize on? We'll kick that around next, right here on the Sport Market. We're rating, debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Sport Market. Rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Adam Silver is a genius, so it's that simple. So uh, it's going to work. LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers on Adam Silver, the commissioner. LeBron James has been a very strong supporter of this commissioner since the beginning, but certainly he's talking now in the context of the NBA Cup. Already a success story in my view. And imagine a few years down the road once more fans understand how the in-season tournament sets up against the actual regular season of 82 games and playoffs moving forward. This engages fans at the front end in a way that it was designed to do. It has done it. You see the attendance very, very strong sellout in one of the two uh, semifinals on Thursday night, uh, about 1,500 south of a sellout in the first of the two games. But make no mistake, this championship of the NBA Cup will be sold out 
and will be well north of two, two and a half, maybe three million national audience south of the border in the U.S. It's been about 1.6, 1.7, sometimes 1.8 going into this week. It will certainly be a television success story and it activates the NBA well ahead of the typical Christmas Day activation of the season. Just like Labor Day weekend is the real beginning to the CFL season and a lot of people think that Thanksgiving Day weekend is the real kickstart of the push for the NFL. Same for Christmas Day and the NBA until now where you've got the NBA Cup. It's time to check out our Bulls and Bears. It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports. The fast-rising stocks and the ones who've fallen. Let's start with our Bears. Let's start with the biggest losers this week in the business of sport. And it is men's golf. Not that Liv is anything but a winner for luring John Rahm, the Spaniard Masters champion, one of the top, if not top, player on the tour. But this is certainly a loss for men's golf because it further fractures the PGA Tour and it takes us further away from a unified tour, which might still happen, you know, in terms of negotiations between the PGA Tour and the uh, Saudi uh, Sovereign Fund, which is bankrolling live golf. That still might happen. But there seems to be so much work to be done. There also seems to be just a lack of awareness of the emphasis being put on the money and what that is doing to a lot of fans of the PGA Tour and of men's golf. And I said this, I you know had the privilege of spending nine and a half years as communications executive for Tennis Canada. And there's such a big difference between regular tour events in men's and women's tennis and the so-called exhibitions, where back in those early 1990s, Yvonne Lendl and and um, Andre Agassi were being paid fifty to seventy five k for a day to show up for an exhibition. That's what's happening with John Rahm here about a five hundred and fifty million dollar commitment, essentially just for showing up. And although money drives the business of sport, I get it. We talk about it on this show all the time. For fans, it's about the wins and losses. It's about the engagement. It's about the high performance. It's about the extraordinary talents of these golfers in particular and athletes in general. And that's so being overshadowed right now by the economics of the Live Golf Tour, Live Golf Series, and the politics of the Live Golf Tour. And that's why it's a bear. Men's golf is in the bear category this week, as is college football simply because Florida State University, it just is unfathomable to me that a team undefeated 
doesn't get into the baseball into the football playoff. Now, when it gets to a twelve, you know, team playoff, it'll wind up not being perfect, but maybe the gravity of those that are left out isn't as high as it was this year. But certainly, this wasn't a particularly great week for college football. Now, having said that, TV numbers were very, very strong. This game between Georgia and Alabama is one of the most watched college football games ever. A real winner in that respect for college football. But the selection process and some of the relationships behind the scenes that might have led to the decisions of the selection panel mm, doesn't pass the, the the sniff test, in my view. Neither does the IOC's sort of somewhere in between compromise with Russia. They won't allow national teams to be represented in the 2024 Olympics in Paris, but they will allow select Russian athletes. Now, I believe when an athlete is representing him or herself, that's one thing. But when they are representing a country like they do as Olympians, I just personally believe the IOC is being soft. The IOC is not really standing for anything here. Not just the doping uh, 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 charges that pushed Russia on the outside looking in in the first place, but now the invasion of Ukraine makes it a very complicated proposition. And I just don't see the IOC doing a lot of inspired policymaking on this front. But when it comes to our bulls of the week, the biggest winners in the business of sport, Shohei Otani, within the next week, is going to be a massive winner. He is going to have a contract that breaks the current record contract of Mike Trout, will be north of $550 million likely over a 10-year term, he will be a big winner. And he's already a big winner in that his unicorn status, his unicorn status has been firmly established. Two-way superstar like we've never seen before. But this is also, and we'll get into this in the next segment with Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games, this is also a win for the Blue Jays, even if it's only a moral victory, even if they don't get Shohei Otani at the end, the fact that the Jays did everything in their power to try to make it happen is what a big league contender needs to operate as. And certainly it'll be profoundly disappointing, but the Jays have already won by being in this conversation. More people have talked about the Toronto Blue Jays this past week than probably any week since 1993. We'll get into more of that. Ken Richardson, John Festinger next as we continue to rate the debate the bulls and bears of sport business here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to The Sport Market. 
Once again, here's your host, Tom Manekt. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. The voice of the late Howard Cosell announcing the assassination of John Lennon, the murder of John Lennon on the streets of Soho in Manhattan, in New York City. And if you're a baby boomer, you'll remember those images in a very big way. I was actually watching that Monday night football game on ABC when I found out through Howard Cosell that John Lennon had been shot and shot dead. The 43rd anniversary of that, December 8th, 1980. On a lighter note, in terms of hot stuff and the fun and games of the hobby and, 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 and collecting, we're joined by our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. And Ken, uh, uh, you were uh, too little a guy to have remembered that Monday Night Football broadcast and the, uh, the death of uh, John Lennon, but you certainly have seen and heard a heck of a lot about Shohei Otani all week, in particular on Friday. Uh, you've talked about how if he winds up with a heritage brand that would obviously have a pronounced impact on his uh, trading card value, on his uh, overall marketability in terms of uh, signed memorabilia and apparel. Uh, What are the upsides, in your view, if he doesn't do a classic heritage brand like Los Angeles Dodgers or the Cubs or the Giants, but he winds up doing the unexpected and signing with the Toronto Blue Jays and having a country's marketing territory in front of him? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, looking at the the footprint that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays has as for a marketing region is so much greater than, than many other markets in the United States, just because those large media markets share those, that territory with so many other brands, whereas there's only one baseball team in all of Canada that they can use that media for. And he's been a he's been a juggernaut right from from 2018 when they started in the market. We're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. We're talking Shohei Otani. Uh, he's played six years with the Los Angeles Angels, wearing that number 17. But the Angels are uh, by far the number two team in Los Angeles, and uh, uh, arguably up until recently, the uh, the now proposed uh, and projected uh, relocation of the Oakland Athletics, they've always been sort of you know fourth at the bottom of the, uh, the, the the food chain, sometimes as low as fifth with the Padres ahead of them as well. 
But the Dodgers certainly are a big heritage band with big history. And similarly, the San Francisco Giants, uh, if it wasn't going to be the Toronto Blue Jays who get the rights to Shohei Otani for the next 10 years, uh, who do you think would have the biggest impact on the hobby in terms of all things Shohei Otani? Well, I think it would uh, would definitely be the New York Yankees. Uh, the Pinstripes is definitely a, a global brand, and the in- interest would be astronomical. It might be a little bit more challenging for the Jays to to get in there every year. So as a fan, I'm rooting for the Jays for sure. Ken, uh, let's uh, shift gears for uh, a moment. Uh, just on one uh, uh, a small thing, we all know Tom Brady, uh, the NFL uh, superstar quarterback with the seven rings, uh, uh, just the greatest of all time in so many different levels, certainly the most successful quarterback uh, of all time. He's been very coy in recent weeks and months with the fact that he was drafted by the Montreal Expos, by the now defunct Montreal Expos, uh, in baseball. He not only obviously was the quarterback star that he was in university, but he also was was playing baseball. Um, The Bowman uh, uh, Chrome uh, collection with his rookie card, uh, there's apparently just, you know, very, very short circulation. There's only about 80 um, uh, Brady cards uh, that are signed uh, you know, across the board in multiple uh, iterations. Um, how how much of an impact is it when you've got these two sport athletes like a Tom Brady and even more uh, directly Bo Jackson from back in the day? What did they do in terms of fan engagement and collector engagement? Bo Jackson was a was definitely a superstar, and he was so widely collected. And then uh, Deion Sanders as, as well, who is both baseball and football. Um, yeah, the marketability. I mean, even Russell Wilson was drafted uh, for baseball as well. I, the, the team he was drafted by uh, is escaping my memory right now. But, uh, you know, Tom Brady, one of the really unique cards in the in the collection is, is the one numbered for out of 50 that's the gold refractor parallel is what they call it he actually inscribed it if baseball doesn't work out there's always football so it made a really unique collectible out of it and i'm really curious to see what the bounty is what what someone's willing to offer on for that card before it's even pulled out of a pack i would i would imagine it could, it'll, it'll definitely be six figures, but it wouldn't surprise me if it reached seven. Uh, and we can circle back on to Otani a wee bit. When his first autographed rookie cards out, he really set the trend in something that happens all the time now with these bounty programs. They were offering a million dollars for his gold version of his autographed rookie card, and that was before he even through a pitch in MLB. We've got Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games for another minute or so here on the sport market, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, we see Babe Ruth, a uh, car going for $7.2 million uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, of course, uh, Tony Giese of Heritage Auctions, uh, all over that. 
to me, this shows just how popular uh, uh, not only uh, uh, vintage, but how popular signed memorabilia is and signed trading cards are uh, in 2023 going into 2024. Yeah, we still see quite the escalation on on the vintage rare stuff and on the current rare stuff as well. Um, that particular Babe Ruth card, I, I can't remember if it's only eight or 10 copies known to exist. And uh, that being graded a three, I believe that's the highest uh, condition grade on, on the ones that are known to exist. So when we get into these super rare uh, limited edition type releases that, that are coveted by so many different uh, people, it really drives up the price. Ken, as always, appreciate those perspectives. I really look forward to teaming up with you and co-hosting Pastime Radio, the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network uh, later this weekend. Uh, You have a great one. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach out to him at ken at pastimesports.ca. We reach out to John Festinger next to talk about the unique situation that the Toronto Blue Jays find themselves in with a very unique player. In a lot of ways, it's a tale of two unicorns. We'll get into that next right here as we continue to rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. Hi, Christine. I just want to wish you all the best, all the love, and all the luck in retirement. I wanted to thank you for inspiring uh, me, my kids, uh, kids all over Canada and the world. You're incredible, and you deserve all the applause that hands could possibly give. Ryan Reynolds with words of congratulations, words of tribute to Christine Sinclair. That's part of a Canada soccer video compilation with a lot of different Canadian, American, and global celebrities and personalities thanking and congratulating Christine Sinclair. And make no mistake, it's been a tough 18 months for the Canadian Soccer Association, some disputes with both its men's and its women's teams, uh, some questionable governance in a couple of areas. But have to give Charmaine Crooks and the board and the front office of the CSA of Canada Soccer and all the partners involved, including... Sport Hosting Vancouver, uh, uh, BC Place, BC Pavilion Corp. on the West Coast. It was a terrific event on Tuesday night. 48,000 and change attending the last international friendly. A one nothing victory over Australia that followed a 5 nothing victory in Victoria just a couple of days before. Uh, certainly this is a national story. She's a British Columbian. But she is a national treasure and icon, the all-time scoring great. And, and the stakeholders did a terrific job. Everything about this for a couple of days was real class. And, and certainly, I think, something for Canada soccer to build upon. John Festinger joins us in studio to talk 
Shohei Otani. We're going to just set aside our normal good, bad, and ugly and look at the business side of this. Typically, John, uh, the heritage brands have the advantage, I find, in these kinds of superstar acquisitions, um, especially given the fact that a lot of the heritage brands obviously also have some of the most deep-pocketed owners in North American professional sport, if not global sport. But this whole Shohei Otani free agency showcases uh, the potential of it being a story about two unicorns. One is Shohei Otani, the two-way superstar invoking the legend of, of, of Babe Ruth and doing so on a global basis as a Japanese champion and a very likable player at that. But then it also is showcasing what makes Rogers the only telecom ownership in Major League Baseball. And certainly, yes, Guggenheim Baseball Investments in L.A., they're deep-pocketed. They can do a lot of investment. But they can't do things that Rogers could do, including a partnership with NTT, Decomo, uh, uh, IC, uh, you know, the KICDD group, or the SoftBank. Those, those are the three largest wireless companies in Japan. There's partnerships that can actually benefit Shohei Otani's legacy in his home country of Japan as well. I'm not so sure that the Dodgers or anybody else can do that. What do you think are the biggest advantages that a Rodgers um, victory here, a Blue Jays victory here in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes would be predicated upon? Well, if they're going to succeed, I'm going to turn the page um, quite significantly. I think it, they're going to succeed because we are in Canada, because Shohei Otani um, is willing to take the trade-off of potentially making less money. I, I understand the, the, the value and the strength of Rogers as a telecommunications company, but at the end of the day, it's a Canadian telecommunications company. And all those other partnerships um, elsewhere can be done through Shohei Otani's uh, managers. He can do them directly, and I think he will do them directly above and beyond any club deals. Well, exactly. Now, you know, moving away from that, um, the Dodgers are the heritage brand, and they're in L.A., and they're in the United States, most importantly. Um, on the other hand, um, he's already been in L.A. Um, there's something to be in Canada. What we really, what I don't know in answering this question is what is Shohei Otani's character like? What is he really looking for? Because if he's looking for, uh, uh, he seems a very modest man, and if he's, if he's looking for a quiet, stable environment, Toronto may be in Canada, may be exactly the right place for him, because he's going to make enough money no matter what. But what I don't buy is that somehow Rogers and the, the Blue Jays are going to unlock more money than Shohei Otani being with the Dodgers. That just doesn't intuitively make sense to me. Well, you know, it's interesting because we can break that down in terms of club sponsorships and revenue generation and then what CAA, uh, Shohei Otani's agency, drives in terms of personal endorsement deals. But one thing that isn't as big a gap as a lot of people make it out to be is the tax issue, especially because of California. Just let's, let's look at a... 
next weekend uh, on the podium funded by Alpine Credits. It's a number three sport business storyline, and that is the NBA Cup. If LeBron James and Anthony Davis win that tonight in Las Vegas, they'll be making gross $500,000. When you subtract state and federal tax plus um, uh, uh, income tax and uh, any of the surcharges related to that, you're essentially talking about a net of about $240,000 from the 500000 California has the highest uh, tax rates when you add federal plus state in the United States. So it's not as if he's going from zero state income tax to the uh, um, uh, 51% rate here in in. in well, in Canada, but in, 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 in Ontario, that's the basis he'd be taxed on. But the reality is there are other financial indicators, and it, it, would, it sounds like it would be your view that the heritage brand would drive more personal endorsement money for him long term, especially being based in a market like Los Angeles. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It, it, it would simply the Dodgers... And the Yankees are going to drive endorsements through the roof because he'll be well wearing that uniform and that baseball cap. Um, I, I think the, the Blue Jays are a Canadian heritage brand. Um, I think there's a lot to commend them. I think the Blue Jays need him, and I think he would do well by being in Canada on all sorts of levels. Um, I never put a lot of stock in taxes because the real difference and the real issue is what is his management team at CAA going to say is the difference in the gross numbers. Th- that's where the biggest delta is likely to be and that's where if he cares about money that the decision i think will be la if he cares about safety security uh a calm lifestyle he's going to be better off in in toronto and in canada and a beautiful 300 million dollar renovation of rogers center including player uh, facilities as well Uh, and apparently he loves the mound Rogers Center, and if they keep it at that height, apparently uh, he would be a real happy camper. He's John Festinger. I'm Tom Mayonek. Very happy to have you along for the ride this hour. We'll close things out in just a moment with the lighter side take on the business of sport. But if you enjoy rating and debating the bulls and bears of sport business as much as we do, you can follow us on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, at the Sport Market. It's T-H-E Sport Market. And you can subscribe to our podcasts of the Sport Market four hours each and every week at sportsnet.ca slash 650. We'd love to have you along for the ride on our podcasts as well. You've been listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business. Here's Torben Rolfson. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents the Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. NHL, the owner of the Jets, Mark Chipman, went on the Blackhawks team bus to say sorry to Connor Bedard for the media storm he faced. I'd like to apologize on behalf of Winnipeg, and would you mind autographing this stick for me? Hey, revenues are down in Winnipeg. He's probably going to start selling memorabilia at a pastime. 
The Montreal Canadiens are now charging nearly $200 for an in-game photo with their mascot, Yuppie. That's more than they charge for Arbor Jackeye. And the Senators beat the Kraken 2-0 on a retro night at Canadian Tire Centre. Seattle flew in on an open-air plane, wearing steampunk goggles, scarves, and leather aviator hats. And they were smoking on the plane. NBA Thunder 126, Mavs 120. Dallas actually went on a 30-0 run in that game, but still lost to Oklahoma City on turnovers. Lost on turnovers. Sounds like Gordon Ramsay kitchen nightmare. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market.